Bill Gross. I'm the LA probate expert. And we do this every week on Thursdays at four o'clock. We typically interview attorneys or vendors to learn. And this is really meant as a mastermind for working people, whether you're an investor, wholesaler, or real estate agent. Uh, I'm not selling you data. I'm not selling you my coaching program. I'm a practitioner chasing listings every day, working with investors on a daily basis. And by learning together, pushing each other, answering each other's questions, we can all get better at our craft. Just a couple of free resources I want to share with you before we get started in, in the pro program today. I get asked a lot, you know, how do I get started? What do I do? So I do have a few resources that are free. One is on Facebook. We have a probate, a probate experts group. It's free to join over 2,000 members. And feel free to go in there, ask questions, uh, start conversations. Where do I start? There was a recent poll I just put in. Uh, it doesn't show. Okay, well, you know, it's technology. But anyhow, people ask questions, they come in with actual leads, uh, there's content related to probate in here. So hopefully I, I've designed this to be helpful to those of us who are in the business and learning. Uh, that's one free resource. Another is my YouTube page. Uh, Bill Gross EXP is my social media. And there I have all the past episodes of Probate Weekly, as well as other uh, playlists and other content related to building a probate business, 11 ways to make a sale. Uh, and so on. So feel free to join there. And then my webpage is Bill Gross. Uh, I'm the LA probate expert.com, the LA probate expert, or billgross.expertrealty.com. And the far right, you'll see probate and trust resources where I have different the events that I do, as well as different resources. People ask me all the time about the best data sources. So I have a list of all the ones I have here, the best coaching resources. Uh, I have them listed here as well. These are not advertisements, I don't get paid affiliate on these. I did get one on uh, one just kind of for fun. But the truth is, my goal is to be the resource for professionals in the real estate industry on how to build your business. So those three free resources, again, on Facebook, the probate experts page, that's free. On YouTube, Bill Gross EXP is my channel. And then my webpage, uh, billgross.exprealty.com, or the LA probate expert gets you the same spot. A lot of free resources to help you build your business. And that's what we do and how we roll. Now, mechanically, we do this call. It's a live uh, podcast every week on Thursdays at four o'clock. We live stream it to YouTube and Facebook, where I do monitor the chat box as well. So if you're watching live, feel free to put in questions there, whether you're on the YouTube or, or Facebook or LinkedIn. If it's after the call, I'll get back to you or I'll, I'll get to the guests to circle back to you at the appropriate time. We'd love to have you come in live on the Zoom and participate. Uh, and that's probateweekly.com. You register and you'll get the Zoom link. We can't give that out. You have to register to get that for security reasons because we get Zoom bombers and that becomes a whole crazy kind of thing. Um, and again, this is meant to be participative. So feel free to raise your hand, ask questions in the chat box. Also, feel free to put your networking information in the chat box. Put your address, your what market you work in, um, what value you bring to the marketplace. And so you can exchange business with each other i'm glad to see you guys do that i don't have any problems i don't want to hold anybody back from making money I, you know we're all in this as professionals to make more money and to um build our long-term wealth so i'm looking i thought i saw paul are you here what are the steps take when executive doesn't communicate and continues to do probate so sean that's a good question and i know our guests would have some good input on that but let me get you if i could to come on video and ask the question live for everybody because i think there's a little more to the story are you able to unmute yourself and, and come in on the video or not 
Sure, thank you. Sure. So your question is? Okay, um, hold on one second. I'm trying to access my camera to let you to go in on here. Can you still hear me? I can. Okay, my question is, is that if an executor um, doesn't communicate with a beneficiary, refuses all contact, and continues to do the probate, um, and leaves the beneficiary completely out of the picture, um, how does the beneficiary go to overturn the probate if it's being, uh, because of the fact that things are being handled not due to her fiduciary duty fiduciary duty okay yeah. great question and what state is this in it's in bc in where's B, british columbia yes oh oh canada yes. uh, our home and faithful land true patriot love so i'll be honest with you i don't have any i i work in california and i feel pretty confident okay. on the law there though i'm not an attorney uh, I would love to interview a Canadian probate attorney, a state attorney, never have met one. I really don't know the rules there at all. What I can say, and I think where you should look, because what I've learned is that in different states, while the laws vary, and even counties, the procedures vary, there's certain principles that are consistent throughout. Okay. And one of the consistent principles is, what is the responsibility of the executive of an estate <clears throat> regarding the... Um, the heirs do are they required to give them <coughs> certain information uh we had on here previously trust administrative attorneys who explained that if you're a beneficiary you're entitled to a copy of the trust if you are otherwise should be a beneficiary but are not you should have a copy of the trust and then there's certain reporting requirements along the way on a probate is different because it's public and so the uh, accounting and the procedures and the filings at least in california were all filed and available to view online so I think your question is really, what are the requirements and responsibilities of the executor in a probate case in BC, British Columbia? I don't know, but I'm sure there are attorneys that can help answer that question. If you find one, love to have them come on this call. Look, I'm part of the XP Realty. We have several thousand realtors in Canada. I would love to promote that person in our business if we can try to help them, okay? That's the yeah, best yeah. I can offer you, okay. just find out from attorney, what, what are the responsibilities of an executor as far as knowledge, but I just don't know the answer to that. And I think are you there. Oh, yeah. Or, or sorry. Well, um, maybe this is more simple question. How do how do you get? Like, I know it's public record to get a copy of the probate, but um, I I don't know what steps I would take to over. To, to go to the courts to fight the uh, probate to have it um, reopened because of the fact of, of the executor not doing her due diligence. I know yeah. there are steps. Again, I, I would say, I think first I'm not an attorney, but more importantly, I'm sure there are specific laws in Canada in general and BC in particular, they're gonna vary. And so the key is you have to meet those standards in that law. And what you know, so you want you're saying you want to show they didn't meet their their fiduciary responsibility. You're gonna to have to prove what that is and then bring that to a court. I don't know the process. I wish I did. Feel free in the chat box if anybody here is from Canada has an answer for her. Uh, and also I would say, Shauna, go to the probate experts group. We do get people from around the world there. We've had people from uh, uh UK, Germany. Um, and so you know, feel free to post a question there, but I just don't I don't have anything to offer. And unless somebody okay. else has 
some experience I'm not aware of. I just don't think we have the answers for you today. Do you go to the court though? Would you go to the court in, sure. in California? Is yeah. that where you would go to get the information? Yeah, though the court personnel aren't like aren't going to give you legal advice, but they no. could show you. Usually, there's like a self-help center, self-help online resources, self-help clinic you can go oh. to. And then, in like for example, in Los Angeles, we have uh, we used to pre-COVID had like a monthly meeting where you could go in and talk to a probate attorney one-on-one, -on -one, and as a service, they would answer basic questions. So there might be that. So I would definitely go to your local court and look for what free resources there are in order okay. to take advantage of those. Great. Thank you very much. I appreciate you answering what you could. Thank sure, you. Thanks. thanks so much. Boy, and we don't want to get to talk with Sean about how cold it is. <laughs> British Columbia. Oh my God, it's freezing. What's, <laughs> what's never, freezing, Sean? Tell us. Well, it is, uh, yeah, we've never experienced, I don't think, so much snow. Uh -huh. um, it's crazy. And it, is as high as my dog which is um a little uh miniature lab so you can imagine how tall the snow is down here and what's the it's, temperature uh minus uh well right now it's minus 10. i can imagine well uh, Shana, thank you for having, uh, coming in and good luck with all that you know it was so cold here in la uh, i think monday that i got to my car and I turned on and I put the windshield up and there was liquid that had frozen on the windshield. They call that ice. And I had to run the windshield for like five minutes and put water on it. And then the heater didn't really heat up for like five minutes. So I was in the car freezing at 40 degrees. <laughs> it was a nightmare, um, but I'm sure it's worse in British Columbia. I can't even imagine what that's like. Okay, so um, good, I see some, um, I see some uh, of you put your, Marking information. Uh, there's, a, ooh, there's a whole lot there. Chuck Lapidus, fine, thank you. Courtney in the house. Courtney Rollins has a great YouTube channel, uh, some good content on uh, um, uh, probate, uh, and came up with a great way to um, to generate content if you're a real estate agent. Um, William Elkins, big dog, get your hand up. What's going on, man? Hey, how you doing, Bill? Good. Yeah, I just have a question. I'm dealing with the uh, petitioner and. Um, He's adamant that he can uh, sell it off market. He's like, yeah, you know, I have these offers or these cash investors, and I just want to see what they're going to uh, offer. But I thought that uh, if you do go through probate legally, you have to uh, list the property and hire a real estate. Is that correct? If regardless of the type of authority you have? Or? Well, again, we're talking about California. Yes, yes. Okay, I'm not giving legal advice, but I'm experienced in California. So in California, you have two different basic tracks. One's full authority, one's limited authority. Full authority, pretty much you can do what you want as long as nobody objects. What does that mean? If you're the only heir, you can do whatever you want. But if you're if you're one heir and there's a br another brother or sister or somebody else who's entitled to something, if they feel they're being cheated, they can object. And so what that looks like is uh, usually they'll file a notice uh, of proposed action. And if you don't respond, they wait 15 days, then you can close the transaction. But if you get the notice and they object, then the title company won't ensure title, the court won't really uh, honor the sale. And so the court will normally schedule some sort of a process, a hearing to determine what's the objection, is it valid? and may require court confirmation or may invalidate the objection and let it go forward. So if it's full authority, as long as nobody objects, they can do whatever they want. 
So you need to find out in that case, is there is there another party? Sometimes the reason why the brother is doing it because he wants to screw his own brother. He wants to sell it on the cheap quickly, make a profit and get it in on the cheap. And so you might then go to the other heir and say, hey, he's selling it for 350, but I, I know people would pay 400 if you market it. And you might get them to, then to push forward with you. But that's a difficult situation because now you're kind of creating litigation. You may or may not you know, get them to, to work with you. On a limit authority, it, it uh, the, um, the probate code does require the property to be marketed. Generally speaking, in Los Angeles for residential property, that does mean the MLS. Uh, sometimes a probate attorney, sometimes the property is not listed and the probate attorney misses it. I've seen that happen. Uh, why, how did they miss it? I don't know, currently explain it. I think sometimes the attorney just does a quick search and the property shows in Zillow, but they don't notice it says not on the market. So there are properties that aren't uh, listed, but they're supposed to be uh, as a general rule. Commercial is different. They're supposed to market them. And it's a little harder to prove that you market the property properly. Uh, I'm lucky. I do belong to MLS. I also market the properties through CoStar and LoopNet. So when I have a commercial or non-residential property to market, uh, I, I show that I do both. But um, on a full authority, they don't have to market the property um, in the MLS but it'd be hard to get by if there was an objector. I think you'd have a pretty easy case saying they didn't market the property properly. Because on the form, I think it's line 12 or 13, I forget which one it is on the bottom of the form. It's like, what, what steps did you take to market the property? They're really asking you, did you really do you make your best effort? And if you didn't, you know, you're, you're lying, obviously. So for, if they have full authority, they don't necessarily have to use an agent to sell the uh, property. They could, they could sell it off market, pocket listing, just deal directly with an investor and not hire an agent. As long as everyone agrees, yeah. They also need to sell the property. You know, they could through the probate process inherit the property, just keep, have the court change title. If I was the uh, the administrator and the heir, I could just say to the court, I wanna, I wanna keep the property. So let's change the title from the state of dad to bill. And now it's my property and I can keep it, rent it out or do whatever I want with it. So again, it depends on if there's other other parties to object. Thank you, Bill. Sure, thanks, man. Okay, next hand up, really lucky to have VIP, influencer, all that and a bag of chips, Courtney Rollins from, from Durham, North Carolina. What's up, man? How's it going, Bill, man? Thanks so much, man, uh, for the space you're always providing here. Uh, super excited. Uh, yeah, I did put in the chat, I would definitely love for folks to check out the, the channel and like get to know many people, some people reaching out already and really just remember with uh, what Bill is doing by interviewing folks and uh, championing your business and getting it out there it really helps me grow, helps uh, hopefully you all grow as well. But I do actually have a question too. Um, uh, came across someone today, She's um, she works in mobile homes and she wants help probating properties in mobile homes. I think I have the answer from your interview you, you had with someone maybe yesterday but my question was, uh, there's a person who has a mobile home, he passed away years ago, is just sitting there. She, can she initiate probate if there are no heirs at all involved? There's no one stepped up, no heirs at all. So I'm assuming, I think I heard yesterday that she can um, initiate probate, but I just wanted to confirm, um, I know it's North Carolina, but you know, is that principle yeah. general? Yeah, you know, I, again, I, I don't know North Carolina at all. I've, I've interviewed a couple of North Carolina attorneys, and this is why, 
I try to interview other states, but I do find that generally the principles are similar. Now, this is one that varies from state to state, I've noticed. Some yeah. states say, no, you can't probate, and some do allow, there's like a, in California, there's a list and order of prioritization, family members, creditors, you know, and so on. And then it gets down to anybody can file a probate in right. California. So um, typically in California, if there's nobody comes forward, the um, the county has a probate administrator, they will also administrate uh, and, and file probates. So I don't know the answer in North Carolina. I think, Courtney, I know you will have to say, you need to find the answer and then come back right. and share with us what the <laughs> answer is. Put it into, come to my call with that, come to Chad's call with that, and let's let's all learn together what the story is. All right, all right we'll do, we'll do. I'll find okay. out. All right, thanks um, so much, man. Yeah, and of another solution for you, you might want to find out. Sometimes um, uh, you might find in your, you know, you know, LA is a big anonymous city. I don't know North Carolina. I think you're from Durham, right? Um, I know you're North Carolina, but I can't remember where exactly. So Durham. Yeah, it's Durham. Research Triangle area, Durham. Yep. Go Hills. So I, I, generally speaking, North Carolina is a nicer, friendlier place than LA. In LA, I really can't, I've tried to, and I can't get down to, to talking to the county administrators. I've seen them in court, talk to them, walk up to them, and they're just very kind of standoffish. And that's that's kind of LA, it's kind of a big city vibe. I would imagine small counties where you're all neighbors, you're all friends, you're all family, your kids play literally together, they're a little, they're more open to working with you. You might find that maybe no, maybe they don't allow North Carolina anybody to file, but they do have a county probate administrator and you bring the case to them and it's a little bit of you help him, he helps you kind of thing. So I would, if I were you, I know you're committed to this business, you need to know that answer, be the expert on that answer, and then use that answer as your weapon to build your business and to help your customers. Appreciate it. Perfect. Thanks, sir. Cool. Okay, so I think I answered your question in the chat box. Hey, Mark Pedroza, see your contact info. Thanks for joining as always. Shauna says, what, uh, where are we here? What is, um, let's see, remove spotlight. Okay. What, if the POS animated to do so home place old age home prior to death while the mom has. So again, Sean, I think you're asking a very detailed question and that's Canada. I just really hate to get, I don't want to mislead you in, in general. Those are complicated questions that you should talk to an attorney about. I, I don't mean to blow you off, but. Um, okay. And then somebody's asking about Rockford, Illinois, filing in Sacramento petitioner is the lone PR. So Mark, I might be able to connect with somebody in Rockford. You know, the reason I joined the company I did was we have 88,000 agents across the country. We've got people almost everywhere. So if you want to shoot me a text or email, maybe I can help you find somebody uh, that would help you with that property. I, I have listings right now in Michigan, uh, in the DMV, uh, which district, Maryland, Virginia area. I have one in um, uh, California. So perhaps I can help you with that. Um, welcome, Lisa jo Johnson. Uh, Kathy's in Washington State, welcome um in california in california mark says anybody can initiate the probate process it's called the law of consanguinity okay there you go mark thank you for the the, the uh, vocabulary word of the day the law of consanguinity there you go um uh again sean i, I know it's you have a, a very detailed question there i i wish i could i could come up with an answer for you i just don't have those details so um, but I would say post that in the Facebook group. I, I think there'll be more, a wider range of people who can help you there than anywhere else. I'm looking for Paul. Are you on the call? Did I miss you? I haven't seen you log in. I know I sent you the login information. No? Okay. 
I don't see you back. Okay, well, there you go. Okay, so uh, any who else has a question? Uh, who has a problem, a challenge, a victory you want to share today? Uh, uh, I mean, I have a bunch of victories this week. I got to tell you, it's been a great week for me. I put uh, a probate into escrow. I have uh, offers on a couple of properties, hoping to get another one into escrow here shortly. Who has a victory they want to share with us today? Anybody? You know, I'll tell you this. Um, I, I posted a short little video today. You know, I get told all the time by people that you know, the market's slow, um, it sure isn't for me, but what's interesting, I have a listing that I put into escrow, uh, we accept the offer, uh, I think deadline was Monday, so I think Tuesday, we put it into escrow, maybe Wednesday morning, but maybe Tuesday night, and I update the MLS, update LoopNet, and I had two different buyers call me, tell me they're interested in the property, tell me they knew of the property, had never talked to a realtor, had never talked to a lender, and the property had been in the market for, you know, 30 days. And so is the market slow? Well, it might be, but had agents in that market called those guys, they may have made an offer on that property when it escrow. We have motivated buyers who aren't being called by real estate agents. So what I would urge all of you to think about, and I know if you're here in probate, you're looking to build your business, you're looking to learn and focus, which I think is great. What I want to say is this is the time to build your business. People, the, the, half the people aren't available, but the half who are, are more available to go deeper with the relationship right now than they will next year. They'll be too busy in March or April. The attorneys, half are gone, but the half are here. You can talk to them. You can interview them. You can talk to them about bringing them business. You can talk about helping them. The ones that are still working. So half people aren't working, but the half who are, are looking for your help. This is the chance to build that business. And I assure you, in almost every MLS this time of year, there's half the sales that were in June, but there's less than half the real estate agents working that were there in June. Meaning for those of us who are still working, there's plenty of business. I think this will be my best month of the year. It certainly will be close to uh, with new escrows and new listings. I think it will be uh, when the numbers are all in. I haven't, I've been too busy to count. I haven't even updated my boards. I took December, I bought a bunch of equipment to redo my office and I'm in the middle of it. I haven't finished yet. I've been busy opening escrows. And I'm not saying that to show off. I'm here to, I'm saying this to impress upon you the opportunity. And I know it's already the 22nd. You go, well, Bill, it's already late. It's not too late. You can start today, call, start tomorrow. Call everybody you know. Call everybody you've talked to during this year. Make sure your database is up to date. Create some content like Courtney did. Create your YouTube channel. Um, this is the opportunity, I think, of a lifetime for those of us. Uh, who are, I've been through this a few times already. This is the option of a lifetime for me to cash in my chips. I'm 63, gonna be 64 next month. I'm gonna work like this maybe another couple of years as my family grows. I have my first grandson and maybe another grandkid on the way. Uh, I, you know, I'm gonna start phasing out at some point, but I'm gonna have a lot to, 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 to live off of based on these last couple of years. And I wanna bring you all with me. So I don't see you guys as competition. I see us all as one team trying to work together. Okay, I'm starting a little bit just because I know I know our guest is here. I know he's got to be. Why am I not seeing him? There you go. Thank you. Uh, watching on YouTube. I'm typing the messages. Never see your email with a login in for what? Paul, I just okay, Paul. If you're watching this, I I, I emailed you back the login info. I appreciate that. I have, well, he's telling me, I haven't been watching. There you go, Paul. 
I'm here, but I don't have a link to the live stream. Okay, Paul, I just emailed you. I replied your email with a live stream link. I'm so sorry. You know, I'm, I've been so busy answering questions and talking, guys, that our guest has been here trying to get in, and he's a phenomenal attorney. Really, I, I, I want to, I, hopefully you got this. Hopefully you're watching me, uh, Paul, and you got it, and you are logging in now, right? Uh, let's see, reply. I reply to your email with... The Zoom link. Okay, hopefully Paul sees that and is going to log in and we'll get him because I, I will tell you a little background story. I'm going to introduce him as he's coming in. I'm sure he is now. So there's a group in Long Beach that's a trust. I forget the exact terminology, but people who are in, involved with trusts, a lot of wealth management people, a lot of realtors, a lot of attorneys. I don't go regularly because there's too many realtors there for me. I want to be the only realtor if I go to an event. But the speaker was our guest today, uh, and he, he gave a talk on Hegstead petitions. Hegstead petitions are, are what happens as a tool when a trust is created and the property in question isn't in the trust but should be. There's a petition to have the court change the title, and there's a particular court ruling in California called Hegstead, where the court will, in certain circumstances, treat the property as though it is in the trust. And so he not only talked about it, but he also provided copies of the documents that he used in these particular court cases. I was so impressed because, I, number one, he had a command of the material like I'd never really seen. And two, he was so open to sharing it. Now, obviously, he's counting on other attorneys and realtors like me to firm business but unafraid to share with other attorneys. I think because he knows he's good enough where he's gonna get his share and he wants to elevate the rest of the, of the industry. So I invited my, I've had my YouTube channel before and invite him in, but for some reason we're having technical difficulties getting him in. Paul, are you there? This is still, Facebook user asks, is it live or is it over? No, it's still going on. We've got a bunch of people watching live uh, and we will, um, Hopefully, I'm, I'm so sorry, guys, that we're dragging on here a little bit. I'm not sure why he why we had a mix up on the login. Let's see, Paul. I'm all teed up with his um, YouTube channel, his uh, website. Paul, you have a login there. I, I see you on the YouTube in your comments. Oh, wrong person, Paul. Reply to your email with the Zoom link. Okay, hopefully he's going to get that message and jump in here in a second. Anybody else have any, while we're waiting, any questions, challenges, problems, victories you want to share with us? No? Okay. Somebody bail me out here. Zoom user, I don't know if that's you or not. Paul, if you're in, just hit the chat box, let me know who you are. The name of the group in Long Beach, what is the name of the group? You know, they do an event monthly. I was invited to it again. Um, it's a neat venue. Uh, let me see if I can find it real quick. I don't know the name of it. Trust in something, trust in, what's the name of it? Estate planning and trust. 
There you go. Estate planning and trust council of Long Beach. So there are groups like this around the country. I'll put it in the chat box. And I, you know, it, it isn't really all for me, but um, I'd say it's it was uh, from a marking point of view, it's a little far. Long Beach is about an hour, hour and a half with traffic. So I don't go through that that often. It's not always the best time spot for me. But if you're in, in Long Beach or the South Bay, I would definitely go. Jay Rooney, I see you have a question. Let's get you in here. We hit unmute yourself. And there we go. Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah. I am in my car, so I'm not going to go on video. But um, what is as a as an investor, real estate investor, what is the best way to secure a property while it goes through probate or even any other um, potential court? action that is delaying or causing the um trustees not to be able to sell right away what's the best way to secure a probate as an investor so you're a property so that it's so that basically you're guaranteed to be able to purchase it once it's able to be sold <laughs> i guess well you know, life doesn't really come with guarantees most commonly. One of the challenges is probates are inherently more complicated. I think that's a good thing because if I can figure out the complications, then I win. And if the other people, the competition is discouraged by the competition, they lose. So I look at it a little different than you do. Um, now, I also would say I would learn the particulars because certain probates, like those that don't require court confirmation, are pretty much like regular sales. Uh, whereas those that need court confirmation are more complicated and while it might get sold right away, you have the overbid opportunity business. So it depends on your business model, what you're trying to do. And where do you, where do you sell real estate, Jay? Michigan. And Michigan. it varies by state and it varies by you know location. So I don't know the right answer for you. I would say, Jay, if I were you, are you a real estate agent or investor or both? Um, I'm I'm both, um, but my primary focus is as an investor. I kind of wear my agent hat more for my own business than friends and family. I would urge you to find in your area the best real estate agent who specializes in probate. I have one or two. I have one in Detroit that I, we have a listing in Detroit that we listed and put in escrow right away. We have a relationship together. So if you want to email or text me information, I'll be more glad to make an introduction. But find a couple of realtors that work probate in um, uh, in the uh, area that you work, and they can give you the strategies because it's going to vary by state and by county, I'm sure. Okay. Right. Okay. okay. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks so much, uh, Kelly Conley. What is up, Kelly, my uh, colleague? Hello, Bill. How are you? Great. How are you? Happy holidays. You too. Hey, uh, the uh, Hextad petition, very timely for me because I had a case just like that. And, uh, you know, I brought it to the attorney and there was a concern because, you know, the property had been taken out and put, in, put, you know, put back into the name of the trustees and back into the trust and out and in and out again. And then it was out of the trust for about, well, probably 10 years. And, and what so, could go wrong? What could possibly go wrong? Well, well, here's the problem. He, you know, the attorney or the paralegal I talked to uh, was saying that it would be difficult to prove intent that they meant to keep it in there. 
when they took it out so many times and left it out. And so I wasn't anticipating to hear that. And uh, that's challenging. But unfortunately for me, um, there were some other challenges about, you know, the beneficiaries vying for position of a petitioner. And um, so uh, there was some squabbling between the beneficiaries. And so that created another problem. So, uh, but I'm interested to learn more about the Hegstat position, you know, petition today and, and how to how to prove intent. I think that's an interesting concept. Well, that's a that's a good question for Paul. I hope we're gonna get on here. I don't know how I uh hang on to yesterday. I'm not getting your email for some reason. Perhaps the virus so black me. Please email me to the link. Okay, so he's having problems getting me. So let me hold on one second. I'm gonna forward this email to the right spot, hopefully. And let me get the link. We're, we're gonna get I'm determined at this point to get him in here one way or the other. And he's determined apparently to get in. So let's give it our best shot here. Um, so I'll let you ask Paul, because he is the expert in, you know, how do you prove intent? As a business person, I would say, I wouldn't take that answer from a paralegal. I think the question from attorney is, what's it gonna take to prove intent? What's the likelihood? It's not whether you can or can't, because I don't think anybody knows the answer. Now you're in Orange County, uh, Kelly? I'm in Long Beach. In Long Beach, okay. And the case is in LA County? Yes. Paul's the perfect answer there for you. I think I would ask him that exact question, let him tell you the answer, both on the air or, or additionally professionally. Um, but I would say that, you know what, I'll tell you, having been in court only pre-COVID on this, but I've probably seen, you know, 10 or 20 such decisions, it surprised me how easy it is to get the Hegseth petition approved. Now, I, I don't see the behind the scenes and the work that goes into the papers, the petitions and, and, and all that. But I would just say, it seemed to me, it, it didn't seem that judges made it sound like it was a big deal to, to make that change. In some states, like I believe in Nevada, there's no such process. Like you're, if it's not in, it's not in. If it's in, it's in. And you know, it stands to reason California would have some special rule that would create basically work for attorneys, but uh, that's the case. And I think I've seen a lot of them get approved. I don't know how to put it other than that. Um, so again, I would, I would leave that as a question for- That's what I thought. <laughs> Paul, yeah, I, 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 perfect. I'm sorry you came on. And um, so let's, let's wait and see if I, if I can get him on here. Hopefully we can put you in front of the line. That's a question live, okay? Sure. Thanks so much. Okay, so I do have a bunch of questions in the chat box. So let me hit, kind of hit, uh, hit those real fast. Um, what's a business mindset related book you've gifted or recommend the most? Ooh, um, Richest Man in Babylon, um, for me personally, uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad for real estate investing, for sure. Um, those are the two mo most common books I give out. Um, how do you meet the majority of your probate clients? For me, it's almost all online. I used to go to court every day. Um, it's a long question to answer for a call like this, but I would just say primarily today, I've met a lot of people and so I market online to stay in touch with people I already know. Um, Andrew says, when you have, when can a full authority get the listing agreement signed and you just need one signature on the listing agreement? So technically, uh, of course, that's a question for your broker also. So I can tell you that I've seen Paul Horn, who's the official um, teacher on the CAR class, California Association of Realtors, probate certification. 
that you can actually get the listing signed before they have authority, as long as you disclose to all parties that the contract's not binding. So, so it's not binding. To have a binding contract, they have to have full authority. So the question is, do they have to have it, i.e. in court when the judge says you have it, or do you have to wait till you have the written authority? Some companies wanna wait till you have it in writing, others will wait till it's actually done verbally in court. And in LA, we have what's called a, a minute order. So after the judge says you have authority, then the assistant kind of writes a little memo that gets published that records it's been approved. Generally, as soon as that happens, all companies will allow you to take a listing. And then the question is, do you need one agreement, one signature or more than one? In general, listing agreement needs all parties who are owners of the property to sign it to be valid. Any party who's not signed it uh, is not bound to the agreement. So um, unless there's some other contract. So in general, you shouldn't uh, ever get considered listing completed until all parties have signed it. Sometimes a probate, you have multiple, not heirs, but then maybe half is probated and half is in a trust or half is probate and half is the ex-wife's. So you have to be careful when you have the circumstances about those listings. Um, and then Giscard asked, do you have any probate attorneys or estate planning in Georgia? Absolutely. I have a team member in Athens, which is an hour outside of Georgia, uh, outside of Atlanta. And we do a lot of business there. Giscard, if you want to email me or text me privately, I'd be glad to send you some information with a couple of people there. We have some interviews set up with some attorneys from Atlanta as well. It's great. Atlanta is probably the most similar to Los Angeles in market and i think georgia's laws are very similar to california's whether that's good or bad i'll let you i'll let you decide that um okay so on facebook live we have how do you find a good or the right probate attorney in arkansas so facebook user asks that i would say facebook user put that question in the facebook group and we have attorneys and realtors around the country in our probate experts facebook group and you'll find somebody who will reach out to you, I think, uh, as a result. Um, another question from Facebook is, I have a probate in New Mexico, father passed, and the bank is foreclosing, won't talk to the other side. I find nowadays that banks race to foreclose and they don't communicate. If they do communicate, um, uh, they're not, they're not, they're going to tell you they're going to consider it, but at the end, they just race to foreclose as fast as they can. You have to protect yourself and your estate and do all the things possible. Um, uh, I just don't think you should rely on anything the bank tells you. If they say they're going to wait and consider your letter, uh, from my experience, they really don't. They're just counting the, the calendar days are going to file the foreclosure regardless of what you do. Okay, so I, you know, I still don't see Paul on here. I don't know if he ever was able to log in or not. I'm not sure why we had such a problem. Apologize there. But you know, that's part of life. Let's see, hand up, Kelly Conley, another question. Let's get Kelly in here, unmute. There you go. Hey, Bill, um, yeah, I had a question regarding reverse mortgages. Uh -huh. I'm starting to see those uh, a lot now. And I'm just wondering, what is their appetite for foreclosure? Are they willing to work with the probate or do they just want to rush like you were just saying? They want to be nice. But what I find is they hit the statutory limit. Uh, I think it's 180 days. Then they sell the servicing rights to a new servicer who all that servicer does is foreclose. Hmm. It's a, they transfer to a servicing company that's basically a law firm and it's just like a race to foreclose. And from their perspective, I'm sure it's uh, they only thing to do with it and they don't want to foreclose, but they also don't want to not get paid. And the company they sell to, all they want to do is foreclose because they get paid 
fees and interest rates and penalty interest rates and things like that. So I, I've not, I, every seller tells me, oh, I talked to the bank, they said they're going to this, they said they're going to that. They don't do anything. Hmm. All they do is they, they tell the customer on the phone, they'll think about it. And then on the 181st day, boom, it's transferred, then boom, there's a notice of default and boom, it's a trustee sale. It's just, they, they just move by the clock. Interesting. Thank so you. That's my experience. Uh, and, and that's also in California. California has a horrific new foreclosure law. And so I'm sure lenders are scared to death to hold any of those mortgages. I would be. So maybe it's different in other states, but in California, it should, they just seem to me, everyone I've talked to has just raced to the clock and you better, now you have a couple options. Um, you can borrow money, pay off the mortgage, bring it current. You also can, uh, I've definitely seen uh, probates uh, petition the probate court via ex parte action to, or not, to uh, delay the sale. And the judges in LA County seem very agreeable to delaying the sale. As long as you have a plan, you work the plan. What they don't want is to, is to stay the foreclosure forever. But as long as you say, oh, well, we now have a new petitioner, we have a new sale, we have a new buyer, <clears throat> they seem almost with exception willing to halt foreclosures. What I've seen in Orange County is the opposite. Orange County has taken a, a, the judges there to my experience, the few that I've seen, not as many, but the few I've seen, they basically say, hey, you have 180 days, you should have paid attention to all those letters and you have 90 days, good luck. And at the end, they're gonna they're entitled to their rights too. So I think there's some lenders who are based in Orange County. That's kind of why it's a little different down there. Thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you. If you're And if your experience is different than anybody, Raise your hand, put in the chat box. Um, so Andrew asked about the new law for foreclosures. Yeah, I think it's actually a year old. They were passed during COVID, but it has to do with redemption. It used to be that when you had a more, you had a, a loan, technically we don't do mortgages, they're deeds of trust. And it used to be that, you know, the lender would, if you were, if you were delinquent 90 days, they would file a notice of default, they'd wait 90 days, and then they'd file a notice of trustee sale and they could have a sale within 30 days. And nowadays there's so many regulations that people delay and delay and delay. Even when they take it back at trustee sale, there are certain cases where the, the, the buyer has, the owner has a chance to reinstate the loan. And so now the lenders put on the sale, they have to pay all the fees and their employees to manage that. Investors that put money up have to get reimbursed. It's a lot of work and the whole thing gets unraveled. So it's a real mess. Um, I know it sounds cute to stop foreclosures, but at the same time, we have all these properties that are not performing and are not um, available for people to buy. So it's, it's very much unclear as to what the options are for buying properties in a foreclosure. But yes, I did say, Andrew, that a judge, a judge can pretty much, I mean, I don't know the exact law, but a judge can pretty much do whatever they want. And if a judge says, writes a court order, to Wells Fargo or Bank of America or whoever the biggest bank in the world would be, you're not foreclosing, you're not gonna foreclose. The, the judge will uh, stop the sale. And in probate court, I've seen time and time again, uh, estates be able to go to a judge and get them to stop foreclosure. So that's definitely part of the process. Um, okay, Adam, see your hand up. What's going on, Adam, have we met? You seem like a new face to me. We have not met. Welcome. Uh, how you doing? Good. Um, I'm actually new to probate. I've been selling real estate as a broker for six, seven years and, and an investor too, but 
I'm curious, uh, sounds like a lot of people here already are pretty um, well versed on, on some of what, what probate entails, but I'm just curious if you can offer me some information about like, where do you get your leads? Do you make relationships with attorneys? Um, and what, what can I do to um, provide value for attorneys or, or potential clients? Great question. Adam, where do you sell real estate? Uh, Washington State. Yeah. So I will say again, I think every market's different. And um, Washington State's big. There's Seattle and then there's, you know, more rural areas. and They're all a little different. Um, I, I mentioned before the free resources. I would urge you to come on my on this call regularly. We talk about it. Also, I would check out Probate Mastery, Chad Corbett. And he has a, a weekly live stream that I do as well, noon on Tuesdays. We talk about that in more detail. Um, on his on his uh, website, he has other detail as well on how to work with attorneys. Um, so I would say that's a, a, a long answer. In fact, Chad has a like a I don't know forty hour class on called E A R N Earn Attorney Referrals Now <clears throat> on his website. Um, and so it's a, there's a lot there. There's a lot to unpack. And I'd say it's more of a process than it is a particular strategy. And you have to find the right process for you. When I started. And my goal was to get business from attorneys. I went to court every day and learned the court process, learned and met attorneys. And as a result of that, um, built a really nice business based on referrals. But um, that's not for everybody. I, I happen to be close to, let me, oops, let me turn that off. I happen to be close to the court. Ooh, I want to hide that. Uh, close to the court. I also enjoy going to court and was more comfortable there than most people. So that's what I did. Um, I would also go to my YouTube channel, Bill Gross EXP is my YouTube channel, and I have a lot of content there on uh, how to get business from attorneys as well. So hope that helps a little bit. Yeah, thank you. That's a process, and let's stay in touch. And that's part of the goal of this, this program is to interview attorneys, to talk about it. Um, because I think, and the other thing I would say is this, a lot of the companies are gonna sell you marketing to make you look viable to get business. I would say, be more viable to get business. So for example, I bought the probate code book for California and read the relevant sections. So I know the law and I'm not an attorney, but the law books written in English wasn't that hard. Um, and I ask questions when I, part of why I do the YouTube is to ask questions. When I meet attorneys, go to lunch, I ask them questions. And so I become a student. Uh, and also I'd say your local county probably has some online resources at the probate court, uh, go there. And I think you'll find some material most many attorneys don't know the content on their own county website. It always shocked me when I was in court uh, how many attorneys didn't know about probate notes, for example. So uh, hopefully those are some resources that might help you. Okay. Very nice. Thanks, Adam. Very nice. Hope to see you back regularly. And, and again, this is meant to be a regular event because it's a process, not a destination. Okay. Who's that big guy? Hey there. Okay. Hi. What's your name? Shado. What's the best way to get attorney referrals? <laughs> Candy. Candy. <laughs> Candy. There you go. I think he would be pretty good at it. I would take him to court, have him pass out candy to attorneys, and I'll do business with you. All right. Okay. Thanks so much. Have a great holiday. Thanks. You too. Uh, okay. And to Cheyenne, thank you. Uh, Jim says, direct to my YouTube channel. Yeah, on YouTube, we do a lot of talking about how to get attorney referrals. Well, look, it's 450. I don't know how I didn't get Paul on. I sent him the link. Um, okay. 
I'd like to talk to Adam in Washington as I am looking for an agent there. So Facebook user, go into the Facebook group in the probate experts and say you'd like to meet up with Adam and uh, hope the guys can connect up. Uh, I'm sorry I missed your questions there while I had him on the line and I can't go back and ask him now. Um, but thank you for being on and asking some questions. Um, okay, any other questions? Did I miss anything in the chat box? I think I got, oh, there's a good question. Can air assume the loan? No. Well, obviously some loans are assumable, very, very rare. And generally speaking, not on a uh, probate because the assumption normally, they're not gonna let the prior lender off, the prior person off the hook, unless it's a whole new loan. In particular, reverse mortgages aren't assumable. So I would say in practice, I've not seen one done. So I, I would say generally speaking, that's not possible. Um, and then another question was, do you know, do you know those? Uh, I'm sorry, Gis Sard. Sorry about that, Gis Sard. But um, yeah, again, I would say for those of you who have questions about different geographies, go to the Facebook group Probate Experts, post your questions there, and we will try to get you guys put together that way or reach out to me directly. I know real estate agents all across the country. I purposely joined EXP to build a national platform for my business. I work with some vendors nationally. And so I need to meet realtors in other areas. And a lot are within our company. Others want to join our company. So if you reach out to me, I'd be glad to try to make an introduction. Okay, I think that's all I have. I think that's all the questions I caught up with everybody. And I apologize, Paul, for watching that we, what's the Facebook name? Okay, so let me just go recap real quick. The free resources that are available to you are the Facebook group. It's a free group, Probate Experts. Probate Experts. And we have 2,000 members and post questions in there. And here's a question about New York State. Here's one in California. So we have, we have, I post content in there as well. Um, skip tracing services. Really, I, I, I meant this to become a resource for those of us who are in the business. It's free. You don't have to. You don't have to give me. You have to pay for it. There's no membership thing. It's just really just a free resource. Second free resource is my YouTube channel, which is uh, on YouTube. Bill Gross EXP. And I have all kinds of questions there with attorneys, all kinds of probate-related question, past episodes. If you register for this program at probateweekly.com, we'll send you an email with a link to the playlist with all the past episodes. You'll get that every week automatically. And then the third resource is my website. It's billgross.xprealty.com or thelaprobateexpert.com, whichever is easier for you. If you look to the far right side, I have probate and trust resources. And so you have questions about data, coaching companies, um, hopefully you'll find some of those resources helpful awesome. as you build your business. Um, okay. You're taking those bolts, those bikes back. Oh, and those bags there? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And there is Paul. Paul, you are persistent of nothing else. I'm so sorry. I don't know how I didn't get that hooked up properly. Let's see. Let's get you unmuted. There you are. Well, I'm sorry, I'm not sure what happened there, but- um, I don't either. You know, you're so good, we can get you in a few minutes and it's worth a normal attorney four hours. So thank you for jumping in. You bet. One I'm question we had- Sorry, sorry about that. One burning question for one of my good friends, Kelly Conley, who's in Long Beach. So he should be a perhaps even a customer or a prospect or a, you guys should connect business-wise, was in on, is the question on HEXA petitions, which is really where I met you. You gave a great presentation on HEXA petitions at the estate group in Long Beach.
yeah. is, is how do you prove intent? There's a case where it was into the trust, out, in, out. And so he went to a paralegal who said, you really can't prove intent, therefore it's not worth pursuing. And I said, I would accept the answer. I'd want to talk to an expert like you before I gave up on it. So can you share with us, and again, just to recap, a Hexted is when the, the property was maybe at one time or should have been or might have been in a trust, and it's not at the time of death. And so there's a petition to consider the property that's not in the trust. You really ask the judge to put it in the trust. So how do you prove the intent in a case like that? Well, the intent has to be proven with a Hexted petition. It has to be proven by the document itself. So, I mean, Hexted relied on the fact in that case, they relied on the fact, the judge relied on the fact that Mr. Hexted put on the schedule of assets that he had at the back of the trust, a list of, the, of those properties that he intended to include in the trust. And one of those properties was a property they were trying to get in by the Hexted petition. So the court recognized Mr. Hexted's intent by the very document and therefore issued the order granting that petition. Basically, the, the attorneys were asking, Your Honor, we believe that by putting that on the schedule, that was a transfer to the trust. We didn't need to do it by deed. We think that is sufficient, and we want the court to give us an order that states that. And the court did it. The court granted that petition. That's what set the precedent back in 1993. And so now what you need is the, the, the document itself. So the, the, the sad thing is that most, I would say, most trusts do not have adequate provisions for that. So what you need is a schedule of assets that has a list of those of those assets in the trust, in the document itself, or maybe an assignment a separate from the trust, some document that states the intent that the person intends to include these assets in the trust, even a general statement of intent uh, with Yucastad later, uh, uh, follow a case that followed Hegstead that said even a general statement of intent regarding all my real property, I intend to be part of the trust would be sufficient. So as long as the trust has some language like that, even if there is no schedule, but in the in the document itself, it references the property, like I'm leaving the, my property to so-and-so. Even that would be sufficient. The judges are really just looking for something to hang their hat on, something to hang their hat on where it would show what the intent was. Uh, and even in situations where somebody refinanced the property, took it out of the trust, we even show, we said, look, this is the reason why they did that. They did it obviously for financing purposes. Here is the deed of trust that shows they, find they were refinancing at the time they took it out. And therefore, all of that information is sufficient. And in, uh, I can't remember a case now. It's been many, many years, a case now where if you didn't have some evidence of intent within the trust, that the court didn't approve it. You know, So uh, our, our luck has been, I mean, I wouldn't call it luck. I would say we give sufficient information in that, in that uh, Hexted petition for the court to rule in our favor. Very rarely, even in the, in the situations where it's just, uh, some little statement about real property, we can get it in there, you know, the court's looking to do that, as long as nobody's going to object to that. And most of the time, they don't. Uh, there's really no, be re no reason to object, because all the otherwise, it's going to get in through uh, the trust anyway, through a, a probate, right? You typically have a pour over will that says, if I leave something out, I leave it all to my trust, it's going to end up in the trust anyway. So why not avoid a probate if we can using the headset petition? So it's got to be in the document itself. It's and I will tell you, Many, many situations, I would say probably in most situations, there isn't that hex that, that intent in the trust. There isn't a schedule of assets. Or maybe the schedule of assets is something that was uh, there when they signed the trust, and it only lists property that was that they had at the time they signed the trust. And this is 10, 15 years later when they've acquired other property. They acquired these properties or this property after they created the trust. And so it's not on the schedule. But in our schedule of assets, 
we say not only these things that I own today, and I list everything that they own at the time they signed the trust, we do a catch-all at the end that says not only these things, but anything else I may acquire in the future, such as real estate, investments, timeshares, corporations, stocks, bank accounts, a non-exhaustive list of things I may acquire that would also be intended to be part of the trust. So even in those situations where a client acquires something later and just forgets to put it in the trust, even those we can get into an egg stand and have successfully. So yeah, I mean, uh, so that's how you prove intent. You prove it through the document itself. So if I can, just for those of you watching who are maybe not as involved as I am on this regularly, two things should be clear to you. One, this is why you went to Paul Velasco to write your estate plan, because he knows the perils and pitfalls of bad plans as a litigator. And that's why he corrects his documents going forward on the on front end. I know that I, I don't want to make this an advertisement for you, but I just want to point that out. And second, um, you hear the, the clarity when he describes this. I would say you could go to 10 attorneys and ask the question. And a bunch of them are going to say it's impossible. And a bunch of them are going to give the answer Paul did. And that's why you're going to a professional who knows this as an area of expertise versus a general attorney who may not know it that if you had that material, then you can speak with authority. So thank you, Paul, for sharing that. Yeah, and just you know, to help those estate planning attorneys who draft these trusts, the other thing that we do, in addition to the schedule of assets, which is what Hexted relied on, we also do a statement of intent. Intent in the probate law, in the probate world, is key. It's important. It's significant. Because anytime there's a problem with the trust, either because it's not clear, it's ambiguous, <laughs> If, if it can be shown in there what, what they were trying to do, if the judge can discern what they were trying to do by a statement of intent, well, all the better. And so in our in all of our trusts, we have, and ever since the beginning, I've been doing this for 25 years, and Hex has been around since before me, so I, I've used this all the time in my trust, statement of intent that says, look, my primary purpose in doing this trust is to have a plan for distribution of my state when I pass away. The secondary purpose is to avoid probate, and therefore... I intend to leave all my assets in my trust throughout my lifetime, but if I make a mistake, if I inadvertently leave something out, then I want the court to issue an order at my death like they did in that case, the estate of Hegstad and, and its progeny, Yucastad and others, uh, to leave that as part of my trust, to make an order that is part of my trust and avoid probate. So that statement of intent is in the very front. The judge sees that, well, of course, they're going to they're gonna give us the order because even if we have just a, a minimal amount of intent, that's what they intended, to avoid probate. So never in the 25 years I've been doing this, not one time has one of my trust had to be uh, probated because somebody made a mistake. And my clients make mistakes too. People do. They acquire new things. They forget to put things out of the trust. Uh, when they refinance, many situations it comes out of the trust, they don't even know that it came out of the trust. And all the documents that people right. sign for refinancing, one of them is a deed. It puts it back into their name and they didn't even know it. Right. And then it just never gets put back. And so mistakes happen. But as long as you have provisions in the trust that allow you, and I know my clients are going to make mistakes, then we can still get it into the trust later without probating. It's a huge time saver and, of course, cost savings too. But a real estate agent who has a client who maybe they had their trust done by somebody else, it wasn't as clear, you look at those cases and consider them and see if you can help them through a hedge yes. position. Yes, we, we will do it. If we have any evidence of intent, uh, we're pretty sure that we can get that through. Um, in, in many cases, though, people call us up and we, we look at the trust and there's nothing, no indication of intent, no schedule of assets, no assignment separate from the trust that would give us some indication that they intended to put all their assets in the trust. Or they have this statement of intent that says, I'm also assigning all of my personal property in effects. Well, that doesn't help either. You know, it's got to be a clear statement of intent regarding real estate, 
uh, bank accounts, investment stocks, and we have that in the trust. So it's it's important to to be clear and to be exhaustive. Got it. Um, so I know. Look, I know you do uh, a lot of business. You're the most prolific attorneys in, you know, in our county. You work with real estate agents who are successful in bringing business. You, you also see those who aren't. What do you see as the difference between those who are effective in serving their clients and those that are not? In terms of attorneys or other professionals? I say uh, real estate agents who work with you, who bring yeah. you cases or bring you referrals or bring you leads. What do you see in their business that helps make them effective versus those that you see that are struggling or not being as effective? Knowledge. Somebody who knows the probate world. Look, for me, I, I, I'm not looking to help somebody list and sell their property. That's not what I do. So I'm, I'm the legal guy. You want you, you need help getting your, your case through court, you need help setting up a trust, doing all that. I'm, I'm here to do that for you. But we work very closely with other professionals, real estate professionals, tax consultants, uh, financial professionals, and we count on them to, to know their world and to, know, and to do their job. So when I refer to somebody, I refer to somebody where I know that when I refer this client to this real estate professional, it's not going to come back to me. I don't need to deal with the real estate issues. Even if something comes up where somebody's got to be kicked out, somebody has to be um, evicted, you know, a beneficiary or whatever, they're not going to come back to me. They're going to take care of it. They're going to handle it. There's always issues in probate or even in trust administration when someone dies, there's almost always some issue that comes up. And those real estate professionals who are resourceful, who can handle those problems without having to get me involved, not only is it going to save me my time and effort, but also it's going to save the client money because the, to the extent that I have to be involved, I'm going to charge for my time. So uh, I look for somebody who, once I hand it off, I, the, the, the next thing I'm going to hear is the property's been sold. Here's the closing statement. What else do you need from me? You know? Nice. How would you describe your practice today, the percentage of time of, of uh, estate planning versus probate administration, trust administration, and litigation? How would you kind of describe the percentage? Well, the reality is most people don't do estate planning. So I would say, you know, the average is probably 60%, 65% of Americans do not have an estate plan in place. So most of them, it's going to get end up going through the court process, going through probate. So we do a lot of probate work. I would say 65% of our work is probate and trust uh, administration, trust litigation related. So either people are going through probate because they never did an estate plan or they didn't do it right. You know, nowadays people can go online and go to Rocket Lawyer, LegalZoom. Uh, you can go to a paralegal or We the People and, and do your own estate plan. The problem with that is that those people who do that are not going to know whether those documents are done correctly. They're not going to know whether there's mistakes that are made. And I will tell you, in many, many situations where people did it themselves, or people went to somebody who was not uh, an expert, a lawyer, or maybe maybe a lawyer who's like a family law attorney says, yeah, I can do your will or trust. There's so many pitfalls, so many ways that you can make mistakes. And so even though somebody tried to do an estate plan, many times those fail. And so we end up in court anyway. And now where people thought that they were saving money by you know doing it themselves or going online or going to a paralegal, it's costing their families, not thousands, tens of thousands of dollars to deal with these things so yeah that, that's that's the problem is that people try to do you know try to take shortcuts and it's like anything else in life you get what you pay for and so a lot of those things are going to go south so most of the work that we do in our in our office you know there's seven attorneys most of the work that we do is is court work yeah it, it's um one of the challenges is getting customers to understand how important it is to plan ahead of time to avoid that um you know, I had those discussions with my clients all the time. What do you say to friends or family members? We're not talking from a business point of view, but some of you care about. What do you say to them about the importance of estate planning versus letting the state 
decide what, what to do with your assets and your well, life. Yeah, I mean, you, when you ask that question, you know, I tell everybody, look, everybody has a will, everybody. Either you did it yourself and you went, you hopefully went to an attorney or somebody who knows what they're doing and help you with your estate plan, or the state of California has the will for you. And in the probate code, it says, these are the people, as you mentioned earlier, these are the people that have, uh, who are the heirs. And so why would anybody leave that up to the government to decide where their property is going to go? So nobody knowingly is going to do that, but that's exactly what people do when they do nothing. And so, you know, once I sit down with somebody and I'm able to talk to them, and this is why I don't charge for consultations. I sit down because I think knowledge is important, education is important, but once people get that and they see the importance of it and what their family will go through if they don't do this, it's a no-brainer. They're, they're going to do it. And so it's really just a matter of getting the word out and educating people. So that's why I think what you do is, is amazing. I think it's important. People should know. Uh, it's really just a lack of knowledge that accounts for so many people that fail to plan. Certainly, you know, people who procrastinate as well. But once you know that this is what can happen to your family and this is what your family is going to have to go through, uh, if you don't do the planning correctly, then, you know, it motivates people to get it done. I think if everybody went to probate court just one day and saw, it was a little different pre-COVID when it was more crowded. But you see families hiring attorneys like it's kind of like a cockfight. You know, I think about in the movies, you have these two roosters fighting each other. It's almost like the attorneys kind of getting the customers to to hate each other and they're spending money and it drags on for, in some cases, years. You know, I I, I deal with real estate probate cases where the case number is 17 STPB, 16 STPB. They've been at this for four years, five years, six years. You know, they've spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on legal fees all because they didn't plan ahead of time properly. It's just, it's heartbreaking in some cases. It is, it's sad to see, but it's it's commonplace, right? It's, yeah. it's what we deal with every day, but yeah. So it's it's just, it's so important for people to, if they're gonna do something, it's like anything else in life. If you're gonna do it, if you're gonna take a stab at it, then just do it correctly. Go to an expert, go to somebody to who's what you're doing, because there's a lot of the documents that people create for themselves, whether they go to you know paralegal, they do it online. These are just boilerplate documents that just, you can put anybody's name in there. and it's. That's not a state plan, right? For each of, for everybody who wants to do this correctly, um, we tailor these documents to our family's you know, personal circumstances and their needs. So each document is different. And so, you know, obviously all trusts have boilerplate provisions for trustee powers and things like that. But the whole thing where it's distribution to your family should not be boilerplate. That should be based on your family and financial circumstances. So it's just important to, if you're gonna do it, just do it right. You know, spend a few more bucks to get it right in the first place. Spending, you know, $3,500 to do an estate plan for your family is, is nothing, nothing compared to what they will spend if you don't do it right. I, if you don't I, do it at all. I just want to put an explanation point on that because I've seen over and over again, just going to court to sell the property is going to cost you five ten thousand dollars i i had a client where they had several small lots worth about fifteen thousand each and each one cost about five thousand in attorney's fees filing fees court fees advertising publication is like three four hundred bucks for each property the whole thing was just crazy uh because they didn't put in a trust and it would have been simple um and i tell people even a bad trust is better than no trust and i i don't mean to, to put down your work at all but i just I see the the process people go through in probate court when there's nothing, and it's just it's just uh, like going to the DMV to design your life. It's just <laughs> hard, to, hard to imagine. Look, Paul, I really appreciate it. I know I have, I sh should be more effective on getting you the the log information. We've gone a little bit long. I do want to thank you, and and I do you know so appreciate your your um, willingness to share and teach with us. Um, but I also want to be mindful not keep you too late. 
Velasco Law Group, Paul uh, Velasco is really one of the best attorneys in the area. I saw him give education at the at the um, estate planning group in Long Beach. Recommend you check that out. There's his phone number. He's offered to take um, uh, consultations. If you have questions about that. I saw him regarding Hexa petitions. So in my mind, that's where I would go with him. But he also does estate planning, which I think is important to get somebody who knows you know, where the pitfalls are to help avoid your documents, make sure it doesn't happen. Paul, thanks so much for being available today. I appreciate you being in single along with us today so much. As always, thanks for your, your support. You bet. Thank you for the opportunity. Again, I'm sorry for the snafu earlier, but I'm glad I was able to finally log on. No, it was great. Always great to talk to you. I appreciate it. And for the rest of you, I just want to thank you all. We do this every week. We're going to do it again next week. ProBigWeekly.com is the website, Thursdays, 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern. Check us out. We live stream it on YouTube and Facebook. The, the free resources, the, pay, the Facebook group, Probate Experts. The YouTube channel is Bill Gross EXP. If I can help you, call, text, or email on Bill Gross, the LA Probate Expert.com. Thank you, everybody. Have a great holiday, and we'll see you all next week.